Hello, everyone. Welcome back to The Only Podcast. I'm James West, co-founder of Only. Only is the network for people that like people. The Only Podcast showcases the extraordinary people within Only. So in the podcast, we look to draw out the passions of our members and guests. We look to talk about their personal and business challenges that they've overcome. And also this question about how they maintain balance in their life so that their personal life takes precedence over running a business because it's a tough thing to do. So our guest today, welcome Daniel Moore, Iron Dragon Design. Hello. Thank you, James, for having me on. Thank you. Thank you for coming along. You've come a long way as well. So it's only Bournemouth. Bournemouth. That's that a long way. We'll pretend we're further away, but it's, yeah. it's fairly we're far away. That's, so that's where we are. I'm going to just read out, before we get into co- uh, questions, I'm going to read out a bit of a formal bio. It's quite short, but I do have to look down. So if you're watching, apologies. So Daniel, Iron Dragon Design, he's a brand strategist, a graphic designer, Love this bit. And he is also known as the design mercenary. That's correct. That's very cool. Um, Daniel studied computer game design at university. That means he brings a very unique take on design and standing out from the crowd. So there we go. There's the formal bit. We can just have a conversation now like normal people. So (laughs) good stuff. Um, Dan, so tell us about this notion of brand strategists. Um, your brand in itself, I think, is a really good place to start because mm. Iron Dragon Design, look it up, by the way. What's the web address? Uh, www.irondragondesign.com. Don't say www. It's quicker to say yeah. World Wide Web. Well, it's the worst just... abbreviation in the world because it's got more <laughs> syllables to say. You're going to have to cut that bit because that's really boring. <laughs> I think it's good. Perhaps you... we'll leave that in. So, Iron Dragon Design. That, so it's a bold brand. Yep. It is quite different. If you look it up, you'll see that it's very much built around you as a person and what you're into. So why is that important? Um, I always feel that the most important thing you can do with a brand is show yourself and attract people who will resonate with you. As most business owners know by now, hopefully, is businesses, uh, people buy from people. And the most important thing, therefore, is to show people who you are at an early stage because, A, it gives you a great standing to attract other people who are like you to you to, to great, uh, create good relationships. But also it gets rid of time wasters in a way, uh, which is always a really good thing for, for ensuring the health of your business. What do you mean time wasters? Because I sort of know what you mean, but let's expand <laughs> on that. Um the most important thing for a brand to know is that it's not going to be all things to all people. Um, if it tries to do that, it becomes wishy-washy and it ends up being nothing to anyone. So getting rid of people who, uh, and this isn't a criticism, aren't right for your business is a really important practice to be doing because mm. it gives you more time to spend on the people who are going to give you everything you need from a client. Yes. So if people look at your brand and think that's a bit radical, great. Probably Great, they'll go the somewhere else. That's, that's, yeah, to. precisely. They'll go somewhere else that's going to be a better match for the type of person they are. What does Iron Dragon Design mean? The, oh, wow. Uh, so it actually goes back to my university days. Uh, so one of the first projects I did at the university was a was an animation project, and we had a certain set of different animation styles we had to put in there, particle effects, um, rail animation, all sorts of bits and pieces. Um, and I decided to do a um, an industrial scene, sort of a um, uh, like a factory working. Uh, and at the end of the factory, this massive dragon head comes out of nowhere and just breathes fire over the entire scene because I was, you know, 18 years old at university. Um, That's what you did. And being, you know, radical. Um, 
And it kind of became a, a bit of a long-running joke between me and a friend there. Um, we called it the Iron Dragon, um, and it sort of stuck for a while. Mm. So when it came to naming my business, I kind of already had it in in mind there, and I just jumped straight into it, went for Iron Dragon Design. Um, but equally, it also has another meaning to me, which is all about the idea of tenacity, which is one of my brand values. Um, never giving up, always pushing forwards, and always trying new things, which is where the you know the, the term iron comes in. Yes, um, and it's based on a uh, an, a story from the east about a koi fish that. Uh, goes up a waterfall. It takes a hundred years to climb this waterfall. Um, when it gets to the top, it gets changed into a dragon by the gods, which is a, uh, a symbol of tenacity and um, and power in sort of Eastern mythology. That's very cool. We didn't didn't plan to go down this route, but no. we can't not now because I think this is fascinating. Because <laughs> for people that think that brand is just about oh, it's colours and it's just mm. a, a kind of look and feel, you've given us an insight there as to that's when you end up with a brand that you don't really feel anything. But yeah. with what you're describing, you've kind of lifted the lid on, there's a lot going on below the surface, mm. isn't there? Yeah, yeah, it, it should be like an iceberg. What they see on top is very little, but there's so much beneath the surface. Um, the term brand itself really um, relates to what the customer feels when they see or interact with your company. That's what the brand is. You as a person or a business don't actually have a direct control over the brand, but you can influence it uh, through brand identity, uh, which is what your colours are, which is what your the way of speaking is, anything that has to do with your brand itself. Mm. Um, so, so having a story behind your brand helps push those emotive sort of buttons in people. It helps them push those psychological buttons that create feelings. And again, another business adage is people use their feelings to buy mm. you know, and then justify it with their mind later, which is where strong brands have really gotten down is using those emotions and those stories to create something that resonates with a certain type of person. Yeah, because it's that immediate reaction, isn't it? When you see a brand and we know from science that it happens mm. within seconds, yeah. if there's foundationally nothing behind it, I think we intuitively feel it, don't we? We know that it's an empty brand. Yeah, hundred percent. You, you, you. The more visceral, visceral a response you get from looking at a brand, the the more you know effort has gone into creating that and making it into something that 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 you know provokes a reaction. Love that. You almost you almost want to provoke. You know, you almost want to push the boundaries a little bit so that again, as we said, you get rid of the people that aren't interested. Mm. I'm debating saying this, but I feel like I want to because I think it might give people an idea to that understanding of digging deeper. Go with me on this. We might end up <laughs> cutting it, but we'll see how we get on. I always remember watching the documentaries about the making of the Lord of the Rings films. And yep. if you haven't seen them, they're as interesting as the film in itself because it was like a 10-year endeavour and the amount of sort of passion that went in behind it. And I remember one of the actors talking about he had this robe that he wore and there was a... I don't know the terminology, but there was almost like a brooch thing that kind of clasped his cape together. And he said inside it, it was all inscribed in Elvish with this, you know, like a poem or something like that. And he said he remembers looking at it and going, why have they bothered doing that? Like, no one's ever going to see it. It's not going to be shown on film. So why put the effort into it? But I think 
subconsciously we pick up on that level of detail yeah. and it feels like we're encountering something that's living and breathing. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, it, it's interesting. You don't think actually. I'm mad for saying no, no, that? No, no, I, I know exactly what you're talking about because I used to watch those as well, love those. Um, and it's almost world building, um, which again is something I did at university. And the idea of world building is you have to create something that's actually believable to the viewer. Mm. Um, there's a there's a, um, a terminology in film filmmaking um, which is suspension of disbelief. Yes. And the idea of suspension of disbelief is that you have this um, this unwritten contract between the filmmakers and the viewer who go, this is, you know, just two hours of fun, you know, don't worry too much about the physics of it because it's it's just fun. We're, we've got this kind of contract where the viewers know it's nonsense, we know it's nonsense, but we're believing in it because we're allowing it to take us on a journey. Um Whereas with with you know with businesses with building stories and things like that you can make those believable you don't have to have that same suspension of disbelief because you can create something with a world um, that that speaks for your brand mm -hmm. and by by building those structures in and by looking inwards and, and understanding how how you operate within those those parameters that's what creates your world and that's what drags people in. Love that. What did did you toy with? being a more um, vanilla brand? I mean, did you have different choices of names or were you always set on, I'm going to be really bold from the outset? It was it was very, very early. Um, it, it was a, basically a two-way toss-up uh, between Iron Dragon Design or just branding myself as, as Daniel Moore, graphic designer. Mm. And the, what pushed me into that more was that idea that I wanted to do the brand stories and create those, you know, create those worlds and create those feelings in people. Um, and I felt that if I can't do it for myself, how am I going to be able to do that for anyone else? So that was that was the first step when I when I you know first started the business was to just jump straight into Iron Dragon. And it's changed and evolved as things you know should, as as things uh, you know as time has gone on. Um, and even now, it's much bolder now than it was five years ago. Okay, yeah. Because the the more the bolder that you've gone, the more it's attracted the right kind yeah, of people. Yeah, precisely. So, so when I first started the brand, it you know it, it, the, the logo has remained almost identical since since inception. Uh, a few tweaks here and there just to, to tidy things up as I've you know improved as a designer as well. Um, but it's mainly stayed the same. It's everything else around that that has gotten more heavily into this this kind of uh, structure that the logo sort of sort of pulled out of it. Yeah. Um, and as I've as I've gone on my journey, I've realised that actually, yeah, going down a certain route with it was was a much better way of doing it, and really pushing into that. Um, there was a there was a really interesting conversation I had with uh, a friend of mine who's a photographer, um, and she was talking about which photos I should use, we should use for you know my site and and uh, uh, what what especially what my sort of profile photo should be in that. Um, and I, you know, I've got one or two photos of me in a suit and all that kind of thing and all the usual business stuff. But we actually went for a photograph of me in my live action role play gear. Um, so heavy leather armor, chainmail, sword, all that sort of stuff, because that's me. Yes. And that's what the brand is as well. The brand follows on from that. So it made much more sense to do that. Um, in fact, there was a one time I was uh, uh, jumped on to do a, uh, a short uh, sort of introduction of myself in front of a room full of people. Um, we were all supposed to do it. No one had told us and they pushed me up first. And the first thing I said was, you know, sorry if this doesn't come across as, as polished. I'm, you know, not used to speaking in front of this many people unless I'm wearing chain mail and the entire room by that point was like well now what's we're this? interested now yeah, yeah, now yeah. we're okay okay what's going on here and i've had about six or seven people come up to me and go i have to ask why the chain mail yeah and it got people remembering who i was 
That's so cool, isn't it? Well, tell us about that because we'd be remiss of us to mention. <laughs> there, there, was, there was no way I wasn't going to jump into this, was there? <laughs> I'm glad you brought it Laura up. Laura Payne Stanley almost convinced me to bring a sword today. Um, and I just said that getting on the train with that would be an absolute nightmare. <laughs> um, Laura, why didn't you bring the sword here for him? You could have helped him out. But <laughs> it, it's such a great idea, isn't it? To, to Tell us about live action role play. What does it mean? We can't... So, so for those of you who don't know, um, which is probably a lot of you, um, it is essentially Dungeons and Dragons, but with amateur dramatics involved. So the idea is you create a character, you dress up as that character, and for an entire weekend, you are acting as that character in a world. Um, and they've got, you know, whole games teams creating encounters, throwing monsters at you, all sorts of stuff. Um, and you've just got to survive the thing, really, um, and enjoy it. Um, it's, it's just a big excuse for a bunch of nerds to drink in a field, really, and it's very good fun. I See, I love the fact that you talk about that, because if... So, for example, now, if people are listening and going, I resolutely do not want to work with Daniel Moore, because that sounds a bit odd, <laughs> What do you? what's your response to that? Great. <laughs> like, actually, go and find someone who's, who you're going to work better with. I, I, I implore you to do that because, you know, it's your money and you have to get the best you can out of it. And if you feel that because I've just said this, you're not going to work well with me, probably right. You're probably correct. And that's fine. That's exactly how it should work. You should go and find someone as a consumer who you resonate with. And I love that. I love your boldness. And I love the fact that you're very happy to kind of put your flag in the ground because I think it's a great... Um, you're you're walking the walk, aren't you? You're telling people, look, be bold in your brand mm. and don't be afraid to turn people away. Um, let's talk about the computer game design mm. bit because I know that is quite heavily connected with the business yeah. that you run. Tell us about that. Yeah, so obviously, as I said, uh, computer games design was my degree. Um, it has heavily influenced a lot of what I've done. I've always wanted to be in the creative sphere. Um, the main thing, actually, funnily enough, I took from the game design was player psychology. Uh, which is all about understanding why games players do what they do in the games. In fact, the ethics board at my university had a huge had a field day over all of my um, all of my work that year because I was just basically doing experiments on my World of Warcraft guild at the time um, and just seeing how they act in certain situations. Yes, it's almost identical psychology to brand psychology, which is all about mm. getting people to do things. And it's fascinating that, that, you know, having gone from this, this position where I was doing it in games to this position where I'm doing it for business is really interesting because it has the same markets. It's all about making people feel something and uh, creating a decision based upon those feelings. My, I'm going to ask a question that might be quite difficult to answer, but I think you'll get where I'm going with this. So if we just talk specifically about games design, how, how uh, predictable are people? Can we give a rough idea as percentages that if X happens, you know that 70%, for example, of people will probably do this. Does it work that way? Yeah, kind of. Um, you can definitely, um, and people are going to rile against this, and you know you're going to see people you know, listening to this going, I don't fit in those, those categories, but you definitely feel people into categories. Mm. Um, certain responses will happen because of how we are programmed. Uh, fight or flight is, is the most basic one of all of them. You know, do I attack this head on mm. or do I step back and do I find another way around it and do I do something else? That's, that's you know, one of the main things in games is how we approach challenges. Okay. So 
similarly in business, how do we approach challenges? Um, and different people and different consumers will approach a challenge differently. Um, mm. I, I don't know if off the top of my head I could put percentages on it, but it is definitely applicable. But it's quite precise, yeah, I suppose, it, it, is what it, I'm it, getting it's, at. It's a science. It's, it's yeah. the science part of the design process, essentially, is, is understanding how we as humans interact with worlds around us and how we how what we do when we're faced with with adversity or a challenge why did you move away from game design into brand design um it was purely down to um having a bit of a struggle getting into the industry uh mm -hmm. the games industry is notoriously difficult to get into okay. i graduated during the the previous financial crisis ah. um i did do some work in the industry I, I worked on a high school musical for the nintendo ds no way yeah uh, disney's contract are i are, are Utterly insane. Um, but unfortunately, the, the company I was working with, because uh, the way the industry works, you've got publishers and you've got developers. So the developers I was working with, unfortunately, their company went bust during the financial crisis, during okay. my final year of university. So when it came to getting in the industry, one of the most important things to have is a reference. And my reference has disappeared. Um, oh, so by the time the industry and the industry just wasn't hiring very much then um, so by the time they were hiring I was sort of three or four years out of date with my knowledge um, and it just wasn't working a lot of bashing my head against the brick wall yes uh, so I just went well I've got these skills I will I will reskill and so yeah I just taught myself uh, taught myself sort of brand um, and, and design basically instead so were you quite techy in that respect? Did you were you using some of the we've talked before the mm. recording about Adobe Suite and stuff like yeah, that? Yeah, were you already quite up with that yeah, stuff. Yeah, so so I was so if we go even further back, my A levels were ICT, um, graphic design, and um, and art. Okay, so it was always going that way anyway. Uh, I I started using Adobe at school. Uh, continued through my um, through my degree because most of the stuff uh, that we were doing on an art side used Adobe at some point during the process, so it was really just a bit of a, a you know it was a bit of a pivot uh, to to use the word that's been used rather a lot this year. Yeah. Uh, just to just to go well, actually, I've already got most of the skills. I just got to change how I utilise them. Love that. Right. I have to ask this question, and this is probably the most indulgent thing I've ever done on this podcast, but. Our daughter Kearney will not forgive me if I don't ask this question. <laughs> what did you do on the high school musical game? Because she's twenty one and still obsessed <laughs> by it. What did you do on that game? I I think I'm still beholden by that contract. Um, I'm not hundred percent certain I can really? say. I can't say all of it because there was some stuff where I can't even say that. No. Um, so I oh, worked. How fascinating <sighs> is this, boys? No, I can't. So I worked on some of the animations. Uh, so I worked on uh, Zach Efron's character's animation. Um, so I did, did, did a bit of his dancing stuff. And Did and, you meet Zac you know, Efron? No. <laughs> did you have any contact with Zac Efron? No, I didn't have any contact with Zac Efron. For the sake Efron. of our daughter, could you pretend that you did? Yeah, yeah, good mate of mine. Uh, <laughs> lovely chap, yeah. Um, fantastic smile. Just just lights up the room. Oh, I need to find that game. <laughs> Kenny will probably go and buy a DS now just to, uh, <laughs> to confirm that. So... All right, let's move on from that. So it was a relatively easy transition to take, and it, it gives yeah. you a unique insight, doesn't it? For yeah, brand, yeah, think. absolutely. Because because it's it's somewhere that most people haven't been, mm. um, and and let alone linked the two. Mm. Uh, it's it's not really something that that, that kind of happens very frequently. Um, so so yeah, I, th I think it gives me quite a, an in, independent and very different insight into how brands work mm. um, because. Gamers tend to be 
there, 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 tend, there tends to be a bit, bit more of an intensity to them. Mm. So you can almost see how things work with them better than you can with the usual, with the general public because you get that ad- added intensity almost. Uh, so actually, it probably helped me quite a lot being able to go, oh, I see how these things make people make people react on a larger scale. So we can dial that back and use it for brands to understand how we're going to make a, a certain sort of market react. Love that. It's a different angle. What? So what? Do, let's talk about you a little bit more. What mm. keeps your feet on the ground? What, how do you keep balance in your business, personal life? Uh, by knowing when to when to stop. Um, one of the one of the key sort of problems, especially with any form of artist, is is knowing when to call something done. Um, perfection is always always a problem. Um, so I've got I've got a lot of other hobbies that are, are, you know revolve around creativity. Uh, so I'm I'm a painter. Um, I do a lot of drawing. I, I just got myself a beautiful new graphics tablet just for just for sketching on um, a, a, a nice Adobe Cintiq, just a screen to the graphics tablet. You can sit and draw on that all day. And a it helps with my skills, which is always great. But b it's something that I can just do to relax. I can just lose myself for you know uh, you know my my wife just comes into my office and, and it's just like you know it's evening now, right, Dan? It's uh, you know you've you've been in the office painting all day. Um, we should probably eat some food. Um, That's good, though, because we it, there's this weird thing, isn't there? And we've talked about, I mean, I, I don't like saying work-life balance. Kelly often talks about this. There isn't, why do we separate them as if they're two completely different things? It's just life, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and that's that's one of the key things that really I wanted to do with, with you know, starting my own business. I, I can't work for another human being now. That is that is an impossible facet of my character. Is I'm, I am I am incapable of now work. I can't have a boss mm. because I, I just I'm just not the type of person that can have a boss, and that's fine because I've you know figured out a way to to do what I want to do. You know, I, I get paid to draw stuff. That's great. That's why, you know, when I was a three-year-old kid, that's what I always wanted to do. I just wanted to draw things. Love you that. You know, um, all the all the parents and psychologists in the world would just always thought, oh, he's, he's having development troubles and all that sort of stuff. No, I was just quiet. I just like to draw things. And now mm. I get paid for it. And it's great. So it doesn't feel like working anymore because of that. And I know that's such a such a trope. Um, but it, it's, it's so true because, you know, it's... To me, it's it's something I can, I can sit there and I can just just lose myself in something for mm. for a couple of hours. You know, put on some put on some music, you know, um, throw throw on some, some Iron Maiden or something, and just and just lose myself entirely, and I'm gone for for hours and hours. Because people talk about that, don't they? You know, love what you do, and I mean, there's always an element mm. of it of any job. I don't care what you do that you don't like as much as other <laughs> bits so how do you keep it so that because it's very easy isn't it I think particularly growing up I I wanted to be a sports journalist and the more I got I ended up an IT journalist not even bothered about IT <laughs> but um I think the realization was I mean I fell out of love with writing for example yeah. because I just wrote mechanically mm. for an output rather than you know people say oh you're a writer surely do you want to write a book no I can't think of anything worse because I think it's kind of been beaten out of me. Yeah. How do you keep it so that you still enjoy what you do? Well, actually, the brand really helps with that. Because, mm. again, if it's attracting people that are like you, you're going to get some good projects. You're going to get some things that you really enjoy Great doing. Great point. Um, 
And, and and so that's one of the things I use the brand for is to, to take on projects that I really like doing. That is a great point, um, isn't it? Yeah, I, I mean, I mean, I'll always have some projects which are just like you know bread and butter when it's just 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 the sort of you know the projects that are easy to do. I don't have to think too much about them. Yeah, they're not super enjoyable, but they're good to have there. Um, I like using them as kind of like palate cleansers almost. So yeah. I have a few projects on the go that are quite different. So if I hit a wall with one of them, I go and work on something else for a bit. And generally speaking, that's a good way for creatives to work because it means that while I'm doing that, my subconscious is working on the problems I had on the other one. And so then, I, then uh, you know, two hours later, I go, got it, right, I know what I'm doing with that now. Yeah. I can just go back to that and, and, and get past that stage that I had the blockage at. So I find that's a really good way of, of using the creative process to, to you know, stop myself from getting those blocks. That's a great insight on how to, to do it. Because you're right, I've, I've never thought about this, but if I now track back and think, what would I like to write about? I could write you a list and probably one of the last things I would have wanted to write about is IT. Mm. Yet that's what I did. So like you're saying, well, if you're dealing with clients that you're interested in, if you believe in what they're trying to achieve, mm. that's much easier. Because I like writing about only and people and networking because that's what I like. Yeah, absolutely. It's really obvious, isn't it? But, but is this because people are so desperate in their pursuit of, I just need to make money, so yeah. I'll take anyone? Yeah, yeah, and and actually, you find that's um, that's detrimental. I found I started making more money once I started saying no to people. <laughs> um, that's a clip. But it but it took ages. It, it it took me sort of two and a half years to get to that point. Two and a half, three years almost, mm. because I was so afraid of you know not making the money, not 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 being able to uh, you know fulfil my duties as a human being in society that it almost stopped me from being able to do that very thing because I was just going, yes, I'll take on whatever. And I was, I was drawing all the creativity out of myself into projects that were just not for me. Yeah. And so that, yeah, it, yeah, absolutely. It, it gets to you in the end, doesn't it? Cause you're just mm. not enjoying what you're doing. Amazing. Um, just final thing, really. Um, this is quite a big thing though. Personal <laughs> and business challenges. Just, I always like to ask guests, you know, what have you overcome because often they're quite interlinked, aren't they? Mm. I mean, it sounds like you've got a good balance between what you love doing and you've managed to weave that in, which I think's probably helped you. Yeah. But what are your biggest challenges that you've overcome? Um, I think it's a lack of experience, which sounds really strange. Um, I didn't actually ever have a, a job in either the, apart from obviously the um, <clears throat> uh, the placement I had at university, I didn't actually have a job in either the games industry or the design industry. Um I had, I think, I think the two years prior to starting my business up, I had about forty interviews in graphic design positions. Um, I came second place in ninety nine percent of those, basically. I think thirty eight out of forty, so yeah, about about yeah, about ninety five percent or so, second place. And the only things, the only information I was getting back from you know my interviews was, oh, you were great, we just went for someone else. Just the most useless you know, response you could possibly give in that situation. So to all the recruiters out there, do not say that to people because it, <laughs> it's awful. <laughs> it's really bad. Um, but one day I turned around and just went, well, I'm obviously good enough because otherwise I wouldn't be getting consistent interviews where I'm getting into this position. So I'll just do it myself. Yeah. And that's what I did. I just quit my day job there and then um just just started basically just but you got i mean it sounds easy doesn't it but you've just got to be it brave was the you? most nerve-wracking experience of my life I because i i've always um although although i'm very creative I'm, I'm very lucky i've got very split split brains i've got a very highly logistical and logical side of things and part of that was i don't have the capital to do this i don't you know i'll have three months of savings and then i'm i'm 
flying off nothing, basically. Mm. Um, but there was that little bit of me that just went, I'm just going to quiet it. I'm just going to take this risk because at the end of the day, I have a support network of people that I know and trust. Um, and if I get into trouble, they will help me. And yeah, I think that was really important. Take the leap. Yeah, yeah, give it a go because the worst that can happen is you can fail and that's that's not failing really. You've tried. Brilliant. Thank you, Daniel. What a fantastic conversation. How can people get in touch with you? Um, pop me an email through my website. Uh, all my contact details are there. You can you can phone me, uh, find me on Facebook, Instagram and uh, and on LinkedIn. I'm Daniel J. Moore, the design mercenary on, on LinkedIn. So I shouldn't be too difficult Pretty to find. Pretty easy to find. Yeah, please get in contact if you have any questions or, or want to talk about how your brand can, uh, can really find its tribe. I love that. And it's probably worth mentioning um, Only Talks this month. So our monthly education that yep. we deliver within Only um, for the members is about brand archetypes. And That's you're going to take people through what their brand is basically saying before people speak to them. So yep. um, if that's of interest, obviously they can speak to you. But that is part of the Only membership. And we're recording that next. So yes, I'm looking forward to having that conversation. Um, Dan, loved it. What a great conversation today. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, James. It's really nice to be in here. Splendid. Thank you. So this has been The Only Podcast. Please like, subscribe and share. And we'll see you back here next month.